Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 67 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, three quarters of the band Horseneck discuss their first band, and I recommend the UK sludge band Beggar. Before all that, I welcome Nick DeSalvo onto the podcast. Nick is a vocalist and guitarist from the progressive doom band Elder. The band formed in 2006 in Massachusetts, but now most of the members live in Germany. They are about to release their fifth album entitled Omens, which is a concept album about the rise and fall of a civilization. Nick and I discuss the new album Living in Germany, Jam Bands, and a lot more in my interview. Now before we dive into my chat with Nick, here is some of Embers from Omens by Elder, which is hard to say. So, uh, first off, guten Abend, wie geht's? Yeah, uh, gut, danke, und selbst? Eh, that's the extent of my German. I took it in college and did not do well. <laughs> uh, my, my dad swore to me, he's like, you should take, because I live in California, my mom was like, you should take Spanish, so I did in high school, it went pretty well. Then I got to college and my dad was like, you do take German, everything's spelled the way it sounds, it's great. But he left off the whole, like, things are arbitrarily gendered thing, so that just completely fucked me. <laughs> yeah, not the easiest language and certainly not as uh, useful or practical as Spanish if you're living in California. Yeah, so my mom had a point and it has been helpful. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so how, how are things in, in Germany during this very odd time we're currently living in? Um, from what I gather, they're pretty similar, at least to uh, the East Coast, to friends and family I'm talking to in Massachusetts uh, in like things have been kind of slow to shut down, but now more or less everyone's in a self-imposed quarantine. You can't go outside unless you've got a reason to, but we don't need like permission slips like you do in France right now. Um, I think the government's just kind of seeing how well people will uh, follow the rules without them, you know, forcing everyone's hand, but it's weird. You know, I'm, I'm here in, uh, in Berlin and it's like, so quiet out. You wouldn't even think that you're in a, in a city, let alone a major city. Right. I, like, I'm in a small town, and in California, they've got a shelter in place, and I think they just shut down, like, the parking lots to parks, because people just keep going there and getting near each other because we're stupid. Um, yeah, well, no, I mean, same <laughs> here, you know, it's just, I think it's finally reaching communal uh, consciousness that that's not okay. Right. But it helps if there's, you know, actual fines in place. Oh, okay, you're just doing fines. I don't think we've gotten that far yet. There's a uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. You can definitely get in trouble here by the by the police if you're out not following the rules now. Yeah, we've got. I think misdemeanor is in the 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 words the wording of this whole thing, but I don't know of anyone who's gotten one. I see. Mm. Um, so uh, what are you, what are you doing to keep busy? Is I'm not sure if you are also working from home at this time around yeah, band stuff. I... 
yeah, I, I already work from home. Actually, I work for our our European record label, Stickman Records, and uh, they're based in Hamburg. But I have like a, a home office here in Berlin. So, I mean, the whole music industry is pretty shut down from bands to labels to shops and everything. So it's pretty slow, but um, there's still some work to be done. And otherwise, just making music. That's pretty much the only thing that I've been doing is a little bit of work and trying to make as much music as possible. But unfortunately, not <laughs> being forcibly stuck indoors as much time as you might have on your hands. It's not exactly the most inspiring circumstances. Yeah, I, I saw a bunch of people who were like, I'm going to use this uh, lockdown to record this or do that. But I mean, for me, it's been like I've been able to talk to musicians more because I am I usually do this around my work schedule and vice versa. So it's been it's been good for that. But I do not feel like picking up a guitar. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Are you out of work right now or what's going uh, on? I'm working from home as well. I'm like I just work in an office, so it's easy just to telework and, uh, you know, not able to do these and kind of fudge my hours a little bit and it's it's fine yeah it's a silver lining somewhere yeah um so what has your your lockdown entertainment been around your slower hours other than guitar i guess uh actually like been drinking a lot of beer which isn't which isn't very <laughs> healthy but um actually uh i'm lucky that I, I, I do live with someone i live with my wife and so there's a little entertainment there a little social entertainment and we kind of uh -huh. like we we've been playing a lot of board games to be honest have been trying to stay away from the internet and the tv as much as possible and um yeah so we've been kind of nerding out and spending hours every night just doing that that's been like the main entertainment and uh yeah then of course every once in a while I'll just put on a movie or veg out or drink too much beer and fall asleep on the couch it's been pretty mellow you know what are your board games you've been playing uh, we've gotten really into Small World the past couple of days, which um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's been out for a while. Kind of like a fantastical, like Risk-esque um, Conqueror conquer World style thing. And um, Pandemic, we've been playing a lot. How's that been? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good game anyhow, but it seems like yeah, doubly fitting for, for the times we're in right now. <laughs> I, I think I've played that one. It's been a while, but uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know about that now. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I'm, I mean, I'm not like a board game nerd or anything, but it's just like uh, you know, trying to stimulate the mind a little bit and do shit other than look at a screen. I got you. Read a book. You know, talk to someone. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty vanilla in this house with my wife with, with our uh, board games. We've got various versions of Monopoly, and we've been playing this villainous Disney game where you're just like Disney villains trying to like complete your goal. It's uh-huh. It's cheesy Disney nonsense, but it's cool. Hey, I mean, you know, game's a game as long as it's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, what first got you to go to Germany? Because you're you don't sound German. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm from I'm I'm a blue blooded American. <laughs> uh, I I came to Germany because I was an exchange student here in high school. I like um, I got really interested in the idea of traveling when I was in high school. And uh, kind of didn't let up until I had my own opportunity to travel. I, um, yeah, I came over here for like an extra year between high school and college and just really liked it. Just kind of like it seemed to me immediately like a place that I could live permanently. And that kind of like sent me to, I like ended up studying German and came back here for a couple years off and on, um, also in college and then afterwards uh, teaching English and eventually just kind of. 
uh, for no good reason other than I just felt like it ended up kind of permanently moving over here uh, about four years ago. Um, yeah, so just no no real connection other than uh, just it ended up here kind of by chance and really dug it and kind of always wanted to come back. And how has being uh, in Germany affected Elder? Um, I mean, it's been it's been weird because it's I've been living in Germany off and on for like now seven years on the band's existence and the band's been around for like 13. So that's like now, you know, getting to be the majority of the time we've been working at least partly long distance. And at first that was kind of a struggle. We would just like, you know, pause stuff for the time being that we couldn't practice. Uh, but now we just we kind of use it to the to the greatest advantage we can by having a couple different home bases that we can set up operations for, for, for us tours or European tours. And obviously it means that we can't long writing, um, responsibilities have shifted. So, uh, you know, if there's a reason or, or internet and meet up or, you know, rehearsals for a record or for tours, we can do that stuff. Um, yeah choices in their life to accommodate the other band members no matter what they feel like they need to do or where their own lives take them we haven't made it a criteria that we all need to stay in the same city to keep the band going and you seem like a band that would have a lot of like kind of jam elements to your to your writing how has that been with the distance you just have bass ideas come in to your rehearsals and then kind of bang out those as you're recording no, pretty much like now for the past two records, um, I've invested more and more into making a sort of home studio uh, where I'm writing most of the music and actually recording demo versions at home. And I send those to the guys. Uh, well, actually, I should say now three out of four of us have ended up in Berlin, so I don't have to do that too, too much anymore. It's just our bassist who still lives in the States. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of you know making recordings of the tracks in a demo form and sending them along and the guys would kind of, you know, play along or revise parts at their own pace. And the jamming has really been, I mean, very minimal except for where we particularly say, you know, okay, here's a part. We're just going to, we're just going to feel it out, you know, but the rest is very structured from the, from the get go. And it's, uh, yeah, it's funny. A lot of people do think that we probably make the music, you know, just like smoking weed and, jamming together for hours and that's completely not not how anything happens we we have done that in the past but that never led to any productive outcome for songwriting i get that uh are you a fan of actual like jam bands no i <laughs> hard no <laughs> hard no yeah no our other guitarist is and it's like the constant point of contention because he'll like try and sneak on grateful dead in the van or something and he even he, he's even uh, committed the greatest transgression, which is being a fish fan. And I just, you know, we have to razz him for it. I've tried to get into it. I really do think that it's like, you know, every once in a while, it's, it's like, you know, it's like smoking. You know, like millions of people can't be wrong. But I just, I, I can't get into it. No, <laughs> I, I am a fish fan, but I understand what you're saying, one hundred percent. Oh shit! Well, I'm you're not, on the other side. Well, well the thing hey, is, like. Hey, I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not like. Obviously, he's like one of my best friends too. It's not like a reason to hate someone. I understand that. I just don't get it. Just probably like I don't get a lot of jazz. You know. The thing, like, I like Fish a lot. I don't think I could ever, ever see them live. But um, 
because it's just that whole being in a room of nothing but fish fans even as a fish fan that's a little much okay that's weird because yeah because from what i understood the whole thing is like going to see them live and you know he was in like uh for a while he was in this kind of like click that would even travel around the country to go see this band and shit and just i didn't i don't know it's a little too cultish for me oh yeah i i get that like i do listen to live sets but i i don't like i love this other band called umphreys mcgee they're like a progier jam band where they like I don't know, they implement like elements of yes more and uh rush and they like cover they've covered tool and uh are just like really really proggy in, in a sense compared to all the Yeah, others. that's cool. I mean that that sounds good. That's like when I hear jam band, you know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be bad and it's it's funny especially in, in well, sorry again I'm saying this from my perspective Please. bad. Um but it, it does sound, you know, you would think that cuz you know, it is fun to get into a room and and jam but it's it's weird this kind of like uh i think it's europeans don't know what these what these jam bands are there's no culture for that over here uh and no one knows fish and i mean you might know the grateful dead but it's certainly not the same kind of like a level of fame or a level of stigma as it is in the states and i think it's hard to like fully appreciate what i find so terrible about that unless you've been on a primarily white college campus in america and then I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. Like, I understand the stigma completely, but I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. hey, to each his own. Uh, I would recommend checking out the song All In Time by Umphreys McGee. Just find some crazy long version of that and uh, probably be good. Uh, That was a little bit of the title track from the Elder album Lore. Another one that's hard to say for some reason. I'll have more with Nick from Elder in a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, Lance Jackman, Jess Gowery, and Anthony Paganelli from Horseneck discuss their heavy origins. Uh, like, my first real band was a band called Trapped in Suburbia, and we started when I was, like, 15. And it's actually the bass player from 847 and I when we were in high school. Um, but it was like a, uh, ska punk band, which was popular in the mid nineties. You picked it up, I'm assuming? I, we picked it up a lot, but we never said pick it up, but we picked it up. Yeah. But we had some great shows. Our first club show was Papa Roach at Cattle Club. Like they, for some reason, wanted us to play with them. I don't know. But <laughs> we, we just, you know. It was know, the nineties. It was the nineties when you could do that. But yeah, that was, that was about it. We put out a couple little things and and that was it for that guy after we graduated high school damn yeah <laughs> yeah same I was in the uh, 
trapped in suburbia. <laughs> what? Did you pick right. it up? I picked it up, dude. Actually, I used to get mistaken for Pag all the time because we're both shorter Italian fellas. Yep. Uh, my first like real band, I guess, probably was Tenfold, which, yeah, I was in my twenties probably. I what did remember. it sound like? Thank you. Sound like uh, shitty rock and roll. Could you listen to it now without cringing? <laughs> no, I will definitely cringe. I we did a reunion show a couple years ago. It was it was cringe worthy. <laughs> No, it was, it was great. Yeah, I mean it's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't I, believe you. It, <laughs> it's hard to talk about your first band, isn't it? Well, yes, it's very hard to talk about first. Band. Oh, things <laughs> to say. Oh, uh, well, I'm gonna get the chip. Let's and salsa just say, um, this one. my I liked what I my guitar playing was pretty cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> some of the stuff was. Oh my god. Some of the stuff I had to relearn. I was like, wow. Considering how long ago I wrote that stuff, it was kind of cool, especially to revisit it and like think what I was thinking about when I wrote some of that stuff. It's kind of weird, but yeah, that's no, fine. Jess, what about you? <laughs> oh boy, Jess, I can't wait to hear about the vomiting toads. Whoa, vomiting! I want to hear about the vomiting toads. But that's that's number <laughs> that's one. That's not my my first real band was Glist. Yeah, and we sounded like Smashing Pumpkins meets High School, and. Yeah. I mean, it's, Gliss is a pumpkins thing, right? That's Gish. No, that's Gish. Gish. One more beer? I'm yeah, good. it's Glist. But it was a kind of a high school smashing pumpkins. You know, work in progress. And that's when we first met. Yeah. No. We, it's cringeworthy only because we didn't have a bass player and we totally needed one. So, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Two guitars and a drummer. We needed a bass player. Yeah. Who sang? David, this guy David. So. Little gliss side note: they played what we think is the last show at Bojangles before it burned down. Oh really? Because they had a light show. Are you blaming them? We kept on short. We they kept they on kept killing popping the. Power. the yeah. Well, from what I heard, it started in the kitchen. That's yeah. where the circuit breaker is, and they yeah. kept popping the circuit breaker that night. Whoa. It's yeah. turned into a true crime podcast. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't out. know if that's the truth, but. And then Pag and I met during Tenfold and Eight Four Seven. Mm-hmm. And at a number band convention. Right. Yeah. yeah. Were you there? Yeah. It was actually <laughs> no, we were at Eight Four Seven Standard. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, it was in at Three Oaks. It was Community number Center. twelve. Looks like you. <laughs> yeah. But I remember we played at three. Oh God, another three Oaks, number, three Oaks Community, Community Center. Center, Jesus, in Backerville, and uh, Pag kept flipping me off from the side of the stage, <laughs> and so I started flipping him off from stage, and we flipped each other off for years after that, never talking. No, we, we talked talk to each other. Just, we'd just, see each other, flip each other off, or we'd send people in to where we knew the other person would be, it, and have them flip them off. I had my eighty-year-old aunt walk up to him and be like. Is, are you Pag? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, this is for you. And bam, like gave him the double bird. Yep. Got him in England. Got him all over the place. Yeah, all over the fucking world. So. Yeah. But then we started talking. <laughs> I was like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I guess he's all right. For the listeners, they've been flipping each other off this entire time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've been flipping off this podcast. It's incredible <laughs> arm strength. Uh, you walked away for a moment. Bobbing Toads, was it? Oh, yeah. My dad, that's my dad's favorite band I was in. Yeah. Just the name. That was... That wasn't real. That was just a what great was the, talent show. What was the other 
name, though. can't remember. Oh, between the two? Uh-huh. Screaming hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had to choose between those. That we were on the fence. How could you? <laughs> I, yeah, we went with bombing toads. I don't know. It seems a little bit more uh, e- easier yeah. on the audience. Yeah. It was an all-girl band, too. You don't, you know. Yeah. In eighth grade. Yeah. I think it's better. And next, Screaming Hemorrhoids. <laughs> that sounds punk as fuck, but you know you're getting into it with that. Yeah, There's some mystique true. to vomiting toads. Yeah. yeah. Why are the toads sick? I have a lot of questions about yeah, the toads. From the Screaming Hemorrhoids. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. That's a good question. I like that question. Yeah, it was great. Horseneck released their sophomore album Fever Dream in February. Grab a copy of the album over at horseneck.bandcamp.com and keep up with the band over at facebook.com slash horseneckmusic. Now before I wrap my conversation with Nick from Elder, here is some of The Falling Veil from the album Reflections of a Floating World. So let's let's chat about the new album, uh, Omens, which is your fifth album with Elder. Uh, how do you think you've changed as a person since the beginning of the band over the, I think you said, 13 years? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, grew up, basically. We started the band when we were like 17, 18 years old, and uh, now we're in our th- early 30s. And pretty much through all of that, you know, I think a lot of personal development. And it's, that's just been the biggest factor in changing the sound of the band and our approach to everything, I guess gotten a lot more serious, you know, and life kind of will do that to you. If you look at the first record, we were singing about like Conan, the barbarian and, you know, take a hit of the cosmic blunt and all this shit that kind of comes back to haunt me when we're trying to do more serious stuff now that deals with serious topics, but it's all good fun. And it's kind of cool to have a project that accompanies you for so many years of your, of your life. You can really see that reflected in the music and how, how things have gotten more detailed and more refined over the years. It's funny that you brought up the Conan thing. Cause, uh, I, I had a question I actually skipped over cause I like to ask, uh, vocalists what they think of the metal archive website. They have like the section that says lyrical themes and for Elder, it's mythology, fantasy, doom, and Conan the Barbarian. And I, I didn't do it. That's like, that's what you guys sing about, according to them. So I was going to ask your comment on it, but I didn't dive too deep on the first record, I guess. Okay. Uh, that's asked. funny. Didn't even have to ask, but it was answered. Yeah, uh, that used to be the big website I would like look at for information on my favorite bands, uh, or at least, you know, the metal bands. But I like it, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't seem as useful nowadays anymore somehow. 
I also write for uh, Metal Injection, and I do their weekly new album thing. And ah, I, cool. I mainly just use it to see where a band is from. And even then, yeah, I still yeah. occasionally get yelled at because it's not yeah. always accurate. <laughs> uh, the new album, Omens, is a concept album from what I've read. Could you go through the concept just a little bit? Uh, I, I read that it spans a civilization. Yeah. I mean, it's like really the most basic uh, concept album you could have because it's not it's it's only a concept album insofar as, you know, we claim that it's about a fictional civilization that goes through, you know, uh, growth and progress to the point where they've become so big and so um, far reaching that the empire has to collapse on itself, you know, due to, I guess, environmental factors or what have you. And it's, it's really just, you know, a, a piss poor metaphor for what I see going on today. And I think our own global capitalist societies push to the edge of ruin uh, in a, in an environmental sense. And that, that was kind of like the fuel for the lyrics on this, just really watching the ever more troublesome developments in the past, I guess, 10 years really. And feeling this feeling of hopelessness that like we're on a path for destruction and everyone sees it, the writings on the wall, you know, the omens are there every day that you look at the news. Um, but yet, we still seem unable to curb our appetites or do anything about it or get the world leaders on board to change something. So that's like the theme of the, of the album, basically, you know, we're living under a bad sign or whatever. Um, but we've been kind of, you know, selling it as a concept album because it's not always fun when you're living in heavy times to put on a record and just be confronted with the same heavy shit that you're reading in the news. Um, it's it's nicer if you put that into a fantasy setting somehow and you can distance yourself from it and give yourself a little bit of entertainment, not just that heaviness, you know? Yeah, totally. And, and when you are like putting together, even though you said it's like a loose concept thing based on actual events, do you what is the like the story for it look like for you? Do you do any like storyboarding? Is it just like a stream of consciousness that you, then you like, I don't know, order or something? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of different depending on um depending on the album i've and actually this this album is intended from the beginning to be a lot more conceptual and a lot more like uh strict in narrative than it ended up being just because uh you know lyrics would be written for a song and then determine that oh the song's going to go to a different part on the album actually so we need to somehow change it um yeah there's not and we weren't you know the lyrics are pretty open-ended anyhow so we didn't i didn't put so much effort into making sure that it lined up perfectly uh with everything that's going on in the album tone out in, in terms of tonality in and in the progress of the record but um yeah i don't know if that answered the question <laughs> uh, i think it did uh how how precious are you about the lyrics because you said you're able to like move things around as the story seems fit or as like i don't know the tone of the record i'm assuming yeah, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty, I, I obsess over them a lot. You know, I think like anyone who's a fan of the band will say the vocals and uh, are maybe not the focal point of the band, but the lyrics certainly are important post Conan the Barbarian. We're talking, of course, of course. <laughs> um, and I, I think I, I spend a lot of time obsessing over the, you know, the, the timbre and the, the sound of each word and the connotations. And I, I really love language and I love what you can do with it. And, you know, the kind of feelings that you can stir up with, you know, 
two uh, similes that can just be so completely different. So I do spend a lot of time um, less worried, honestly, often t- about the themes than about the actual, you know, cadence and sound of the of the phrases themselves. Mm. Uh, musically, what did you set out to do or say with omens that you differ that was different than what you've done in the past? And do you think you were successful in doing that? Well, we don't really ever set hard goals for ourselves other than to just kind of be true to writing the music that we that we want to write at the particular moment. And in that case, I think we definitely achieved that goal because I, I feel like Omens does sound quite different than the, than the last records. And for me, that always means, okay, well, we were, you know, operating with freedom and just making the music that we wanted to make. And the only really goal we had was kind of, you know, production wise to, to give this record a sound and a feeling that, that also reflected the content that just sounded different. You know, we kind of wanted to make a record that sounded like, uh, it's got the clean kind of like seventies ish production, but it's still that elder vibe, you know, like not overblown, not super metal, uh, but the heavy record, almost like if, you know, like a seventies prog band traveled into modern times and like, uh, you know, made a record nowadays, I guess that was like what we were hoping to do. And I don't know, you know, I guess we'll leave it to the music critics to determine if we were successful in that or not. I'm happy with the outcome. There's always things that I think we could do differently, but, you know, uh, time and money run out quickly, so. Oh, now now that there's a lock on the album, what would you do differently? Um, I think in recording, we got really, we got really bogged down. We went to a great studio with a lot of equipment, and we spent, like, I think we probably lost all said and done like a day or two just experimenting with different gear and trying out different stuff and you know i think that was important to pinpoint to pinpoint a sound that we wanted but you lose you just end up losing time it's kind of a black hole and you know i think i would have probably structured and organized ourselves a little bit better i imagine just like a ton of different similar guitar pedals and keyboard patches and whatnot yeah, that's, I mean, that's just tons of amps, tons of microphones, different rooms, different, you know, different outboard gear, just like everything that you can imagine. And we had a lot of fun and the studio engineers we worked with were really cool. And they also had a, a passion for trying out stuff. So we just kind of, you know, fed into each other, just got, you know, went down a, a wormhole at every possible turn. So it was fun to record, but definitely like we had a bunch of material that just didn't make it to the record that we had to trim that we didn't have time to mix or we didn't have time to um even record sometimes and that was kind of a bummer uh, because it, yeah we've been we were operating on time constraints and just kind of we thought that everything would roll quickly but it, it really didn't and those leftover pieces do those get put away in your brain or like on a hard drive somewhere for a next thing or are they just like live nuggets for people that get to see you or that sort of thing no, we've definitely got, I mean, none of it's lost. I've got, uh, we have some extra sessions that I'm trying to start diving into mixing during the quarantine period here that maybe we can do a bonus release for people somewhere down the line. And a lot of the, you know, the ideas that didn't even get recorded, they'll definitely be archived and probably show up in a later song. So it's not, you know, not all for naught. And in the end of the day, we still have a, a record that's almost an hour that's already trying a lot of people's attention spins. And uh, again, we brought up the, the quarantine. Uh, how does the May North America tour look at this moment? 
Well, uh, it's not looking good. Yeah. I mean, we haven't officially announced any cancellations, um, but we're working on a backup plan. And uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think it makes any sense to endanger ourselves or anyone else or continue, you know, continue the spread of this thing as long as it looks like a danger. So, yeah, we're 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 talking to the promoters right now and our booking agent and trying to figure out um, what an alternative course might look like but it's not looking promising. Yeah, I, was, I figured that might be the answer. Uh, yep. So right now, what can fans do for Elder that since you're not going to be on the road and that's how you know bands make money and stay afloat, but what could they do differently right now? The be- I mean, the best thing, if anyone wants to support us, would still be to buy a record and to buy it directly from the labels that uh, we work with and for. Just... Uh, that's Armageddon Shop is the name of the U.S. label for anyone who's in North America. And Stickman Records is the European label. Um, all really good people, uh, all struggling and hit hard right now. Uh, and everyone's just trying to keep their head above water. So, yeah, that's the most direct way to support us and the people we directly work with. And if you've already bought a, a concert ticket, please hold on to that because we're going to try and make good on everything that we have to reschedule. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for talking with me today. Um, I, I do enjoy the new record a lot, and I'll have this up shortly, and hopefully we can get some more ears and eyes on on helping you all out as we can. You know. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, too. All right, man. You have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Stay safe. All right, you as well. Bye. by Elder will be released on April 24th via Stickman Records and Armageddon Label. Pre-order a copy now at beholdtheelder.bandcamp.com and follow the band at facebook.com slash elderofficial. Now to wrap this episode, I am recommending the London, England band Beggar. Beggar described their sound as both riff, shred, noise, crunch, roar, and blues-inflected metal. They formed in 2012 and are about to release their debut album, Compelled to Repeat, on April 3rd. From that album, here is Blood Moon in its entirety.
Compelled to Repeat will be released on April 3rd via APF Records. You can pre-order a copy now over at thusspokethebeggar.bandcamp.com and keep up with the band at facebook.com slash beggarband. And just for the record, that is B-E-G-G-A-R. As always, I would like to thank you for listening and invite you to head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com if you're in a band and you would like to be on the show and want to talk to me. There's a contact section there. Of course, like the page over at facebook.com slash farbeyondmetal and all the rest of the social stuff can be found at the website. And as always, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Centrometer Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.